a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Uh, I'm Steve Mathis, of course. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Please check out uh, some of the archives. Steve Mathis Classics Volume 1, 2, and 3. Uh, McGrath interviews and Fro interviews and uh, and Ron Lachine and Brock Lover and all these guys. I get a lot of people saying uh, to, for me to podcast with these guys, and I've done them. So please check out the archives. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, for now, flyracing.com, the number one source of gear for the uh, Rocky Mountain ATV guys. Uh, Trey Kennard wears Fly Racing, Western Pike. Right out of the box, they take their Carbon F2 helmet with MIPS, uh, a bunch of different colors, a bunch of different styles, and uh, it's the same helmet that these guys wear on each and every Saturday night out there in Supercross. And So please, yeah, check it out, flyracing.com. They got mountain bike stuff and watercraft and uh, UTVs and uh, flyracing.com is make it. They make it, man, and uh, we appreciate them coming on the show and sponsoring us and, and all that. So please, Thanks. Uh, again, I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line all the way from Australia. You may remember this man from the Moto World days. You may remember him as the wacky pit reporter for the ESPN Nationals uh, and uh, many other things. Fresno Smooth, maybe. Uh, tons of stories in the pits still about this man. And uh, I thank Chris Kiefer for hooking this podcast up. Jerry Bernardo. What's up, Jerry? How are you? How you going, Steve? What's happening? We can blame it all on my brother from another mother, young KK <laughs> Kiefer, after Doc himself. Now, how did the key like when Chris Kiefer tells me I know Jerry, like I know him well? I'm like, what? Like, how did that happen? Oh, we both lived in the high desert. I don't know where I met. I think I met Kiefer up at Exos only in this area okay. way back in the day. Yeah, and being like-minded guys, you know dirt bike riders we ended up hooking up and okay he's a bit of a knucklehead like me and we pretty much hit it off i i love Kiefer Kiefer seriously he he is you know you say that oh he's like a brother to me he really is we've been through the dark times and and the high times you know we've had we've had good dirt we've had bad dirt (laughs) nice to hear uh yeah he's a good friend of mine and uh comes up comes up and does uh the pulp mx show with me on monday nights and people really love him he's he's dirt bike to the core man um so uh what what is going on with Jerry Bernardo these days? Why are you in Australia? What, what? That was the number one question I had from a few people when I said, hey, I'm doing a podcast with Jerry Bernardo. He lives in Australia. People are like, what? So tell, yeah. tell us that. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of a, it's not a touchy subject. Let's just put it this way. We'll okay. start out with Jerry analogy number one. <laughs> I was led offshore by a shiny bauble. You know how like when you go to the store and you pick out like, 
say vanilla a ma- uh, vanilla hagenas like macadamia brittle. Yeah, and then yeah. you get home and you get like that really bad pudding they promise you in jail, and it's really just made out of dirt from a <laughs> from a uh, blue groove track and rubido and some water. Uh huh. Yeah, when I got here, everything changed. Let's put it this way: somebody put the right directional on, and I flew out the left window. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, you know what I mean? Oh, let me finance you offshore and then you can leave me. Yeah, That's about it. Yeah. Well, do you like I mean, do you like it? Do you, how much do you come back to the states? I actually've only been back twice in 7 years, to oh, tell okay. you the truth. Yeah. Um yeah, one one time I was back there for work a long time ago, and then I came back for the Fakie race and 30th year anniversary um in September, this past September. So, yeah, only two times. I love it out here. I love it. Yeah. I live down in Melbourne. Melbourne's kind of like New England. You get more of the seasons. It's, you know, a lot of people from Australia don't like the weather. Everybody wants the Gold Coast yep. where it's beachy and sunny right. and hot all the time. Mm-hmm. I used to live in, I started there. And now I live here because my fiance is from this area. We moved back down here. And I love it. It's like New England. You know, yeah. you can get snow, but you got to go high. I like it. Me, I'm from Canada. I like the seasons too, although I live in Vegas now. So I get none yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, Interesting. That's I've I've never been to Australia. I've been all over Europe uh, at the races. Uh, been a lot of the places. Never been to Australia. Always want to go. People love it. Um, what's the moto scene like there? Uh, the moto scene. I'm not really as much moto. I'm more a woods guy. You uh-huh. know, it, the, every scene here that has anything to do with dirt bikes is a lot smaller, of course, yep. than the platform of the United States. There's a lot of fans. There's a lot of hardcore punters is a slang expression for the blue-collar guy. Okay. There's a lot of punters that ride dirt bikes. There's a great scene. There's riding all over. Here, down here, specifically, the Victorian high country is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I personally haven't got in there much because I don't know that many people here, really. I kind of just stick home and do my thing. And, you know, when you don't know, you don't want to head out into the woods with a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing, <laughs> and I haven't hooked up yet. The people I knew were from the Gold Coast, and we had a lot of great rides up yeah, in yeah. that area. Since you moved to uh, Melbourne? So, and and then when I moved, I just kind of, I don't know, I slipped into neutral a little bit in that department. I go to the motocross track with my stepson. I, there's a great track called Cruzix Ride Park. It has uh-huh. five different tracks of all different varied dirt, and it's awesome. It's not the t- type of track where you see the lifelike coming in and out, right. and 85s are jumping over your head, scaring you. It's more... <laughs> Uh, Thunder National, sort of yeah. loamy, big, not a lot of jumps, so it's really fa- family-friendly, but it's awesome. The dirt there is just brownie mix. It's sick. Nice. That's, yeah, that's cool. Um, I'll tell you what, when I do the Pulp Show on Monday night or these podcasts or whatever, and whenever I look at my stats, a huge Australian base of moto nuts that download these things, uh, always impressive numbers I get from Australia. So I'm always like, hey, it must be a real strong community down there, riding, off-road, moto, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like dirt bikes in general. Well, you know, it's no secret that uh, Australia is the greatest, some of the greatest, if not the greatest freestyle motocrosses. That's a whole section to t- uh, touch sure. on. Yep. But, yeah, there's great, there's great guys, fast guys out here, you know, a little bit older guys, uh, Jay Marmont and mm-hmm. uh, Shane Boyd. And then the young bucks, Cade Mozig, and mm-hmm. you know they're they're out here. The kids are quick, you know. You know what happens? You fall out of the womb and you end up on a <laughs> Z50, which is a, a Z50 Honda or a PW50 Yamaha. Next thing you know, you're on a podium somewhere. Hey, I, I'm from Canada. I say Z too. Don't worry. It's taken me a while to get rid of that. I'm still say YZ. Really I know it's. 
<laughs> yeah, when I first got here and I was doing live announcing, uh-huh. say at Freestyle, I had adopted some Australian slang. Uh-huh. And there's another saying called try hard. Somebody, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be the cool guy. And while I was announcing, I was dropping in Aussie slang just because that's how I spoke. And I go, oh, I hope they don't think I'm trying to be a tryhard because I really am not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is just the way I talk. I'm from Boston right. and now Australia, so I'm Australian. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, what are you doing for a living? Are you still painting some helmets and every now and then? Bach you helmets or what? I have not painted one helmet since I've oh, landed here. Cherry. And my lung feels great. Dude, <laughs> my lung feels great. I'd like Singular. To, I'd like to get no, a... No, I haven't painted to... any, I don't miss it at all. Oh, man. Some of those stuff was epic. Damn it. Hey, when I lived in America, I had a shop in the high desert, Hesperia Land, where Keep is from. I had it for 17 years. Uh-huh. I painted my ass off, dude. I worked my ass off. I painted a lot of Red Bull helmets. Uh-huh. And, you know, it just... I moved here. I don't have a shop. Yeah. I don't really have the desire. My sanding days are over. Spraying, sanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now I do graphic design. You know, it's a creative outlet for me. And that's... Sure. That's I've kind of morphed from... I was a sign painter when I was a kid, so it was X-Acto knives, letter and brushes, paint, mm-hmm. and this and that. Then I was a custom painter for many, many years. And spraying and all, yeah. choking on blood and dust and <laughs> purple boogers. <laughs> and now I'm into Photoshop and Illustrator and design logos and graphics and oh, fuck cool. you t-shirts yeah 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 i still see some at the races every now and then man they're still around so you'll, you'll be happy to know that oh we're still making them yeah we get the boys in boston are in full swing okay not full swing it's yeah, still yeah. helping <laughs> but yeah i design them i send them to boston and i got uh two guys helping me out chip wilcox and tommy lake Tommy Lake, you reached out to me from the depths of who knows where. Uh-huh. Said, hey, you should make some stuff. I'm like, eh, you know. I go, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? And we both put up like 250 bucks, and we made some shirts. And oh, that sweet. was like four years ago. If it wasn't for him, fuck you, would be pretty much cobwebbed. <laughs> nice. Hey, so I went and Googled you and was looking around for different stuff. And one of the things that comes up, Jerry, is uh, from 04. AMA apologizes for banquet remarks made by co-host Jerry Bernardo. <laughs> so uh, the AMA got a little upset with you. You hosted a banquet with Jamie Little, and uh, I don't know what happened. Who knows? But uh, that comes up. So oh, I never, I didn't see that question coming. <laughs> hey, sometimes things happen. Yeah, no, I was on right. TV for seventeen years. Right, I was on TV for seventeen years. I never dropped f bomb. I made a little bobble. I'm not going to say I was right. Not gonna say I was wrong. Mm-hmm. It backfired, and I'm the one that's financially suffered from it. So, yeah. what are you gonna do? Yeah, no. Exactly. Now my AMA brother is Eric Kudla. Who's that? So, I don't, I don't know who that is. Uh, Eric, he did a lot. Eric Kudla did a lot of um, race promotion and whatnot out okay. in the desert. Yep, in the high desert, a lot of off-road racing, and then he got hired up by the AMA. Now he moved over to. I think it's Ohio, mm-hmm. and he works for them. He's a solid cat, hard worker, another fellow designer, and nice. He's making things happen over there. I should get you to design a Pulpum X logo. See what see what that see what that takes me. Yeah, I bet she'd probably do a killer job. Oh man, it. you know I design all the Kiefer stuff. Oh, you do? I didn't know that. I didn't know he, he didn't tell me that. Yeah. Oh, he, well, he all the Kiefer shirts. Yeah, the after here. the after dark thing looks good. Um, hey, so yeah. um, do you got a bike still? I know you said you don't ride as much, but you know, yep. but you still got a bike. What yep. do you got? What do you got? Yeah, 
Honda CRF 450X. Nice. Good. Set up for the woods. Scott steering stabilizer. Bells and whistles. Um, oh, All cool. the good stuff. Hey. I came out here and I had the desert tank because I was brainwashed from riding with Hengevelt. Uh-huh. You know, yep. bombing up and down in the trenches there. I went in the woods with... 12.5 liters, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't really working out for me. I right really now. need this. Right. I, need to, I need to get rid of this. Put the stock tank on. I'm like, oh, my God, I can turn. This is great. Yeah, imagine that. You got you got uh, all this gas sloshing around from side to side. Um, oh, my God. I was like the ex on Valdez. They all love me, though. I got a lot more friends at the end of the ride. Hey, <laughs> exactly. Jerry, you got that gas, bro? <laughs> Um, going, going back in time. So like you said, you're from Boston. Did you, and, and you rode a lot of off-road and everything else. And, and, and I imagine, you know, you grew up with, with the moto names of NESC around. So did you d- dream of being like a Paul Clipper or how did the helmets come into it? And, and not so much the media end of things. I didn't really ever have any motorcycle aspirations whatsoever. My little brother, Frankie, who passed away when I was young. He had a uh, SL-125, and then later on he got a Hodaka Combat Wombat. Mm -hmm. And I was disinterested because I was distracted by other attentions that might may or may not get you in trouble with the police. Uh (laughs) So I kind of was just on the outskirts of motorcycles in my family because he had one. And then I ended up moving out to uh, Bellingham, Massachusetts, and I got a shitty little Honda 250. Funny story, somebody goes, why are your forks on backwards? And I'm like, what? The frickin' fo- the bike had been in a crash, and the forks were on backwards. The little with axle bolts on was pointing the other way. Uh-huh. I don't know what, why. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was riding up and down the street with a headband on. I was a knucklehead. <laughs> so yeah, that was my first bike. There, I had a bike. I lived in California before I ended up in Bellingham. I had a CZ250. Okay. Went riding, no helmet, headband. Guy goes, "Where's your helmet?" I go, "I don't got one." He just <laughs> looks at me and he goes, "We'll get." He goes. We'll get one. <laughs> Looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, you're like, what? What is wrong with me? Yeah. Um, so you weren't really plugged into the NESC moto scene as much as, say, I thought you would be. Like, you weren't this guy that – No, that's no. Kinda, okay, that's kind of where I thought, like, you came from. You know, I'm like, ah, he probably was around Dowdy and these guys back in the day or whatever, you know? JoJo. Oh, well, I was. I was around I was around them, but I was on the other side. I was a fan. I was in yeah. the pits. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Me and me and B me and Bevo Forte and Larry Brooks and Ricky Johnson, name drop, name drop, name yeah. drop, <laughs> still laugh about me and my boys on the other side of the fence at Unadilla, out of control, <laughs> drunk as gunk, and just they're trying to be nice to us and they're scared of us. Ask Larry Brooks, ask ask Bevo. And you're, uh, you're blowing and up then houses. I ended up getting a job, and next thing you know, I'm on the other side. Me and Bevo shoulder to shoulder, putting stickers out out the gate, out the chain link fence to other people who might be under the influence oh, of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, funny. you yeah, know, yeah. Unadilla. Um, so yeah. you went from setting the couches on fire and blowing up the outhouses to being the guy pointing at the people setting couches on fire, blowing up. Houses. I've never set a couch on fire. I've never blown up anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find a deflated black blow-up doll on the hill in the rain on the backside, way up where the trouble is. 
and I got a big long stick and I stuck it in the mouth of the blow up doll and I was waving around and everybody was laughing <laughs> and there was some people with a little lean to tent in front of me uh-huh. and I go oh, watch this watch this yeah, yeah. I had it like a fishing line there's this deflated blow up doll hanging off it all covered in mud <laughs> and these people are watching the races and I just lower it down in front of them so all of a sudden they just see feet and then this body and they're like <laughs> what the hell <laughs> and later on in life no I swear to God a guy comes up to me he goes hey I remember you. You're the guy that that black blow-up doll at Unadilla. (laughs) True true story on my brother's grave. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So how did the – okay, so like I remember Tommy Norton, right? He won Blackwater on a 125. That was kind of your guy, right? Um, Yep. Is that – does that come after FOQ starts and all that or before? That's exactly right at the same time. Okay. Frankie passed in 87, and that was the first year that we, you know, we had a bunch of guys we rode with, yep. and I come up with that name, and that's when it started, 1987, and that, I met Tommy Norton in the woods in Norfolk, just riding. We bumped into each other, and we just stand there having a chat, and he was telling me what was wrong with my bike. He's like, oh, that's, that's broken. That's screwed up. I'm like, dude, I ride in New England. Come on. It's a tack zone. Yeah, I met I met Tommy in okay. the woods riding dirt bikes. Oh, okay. And so you said, hey, I'm, you, you realize you had a little bit of a gift for designing and painting or whatever, and you're like, I think I can do these helmets. Is that really where it started? Uh, when you do sign painting and lettering, it's all brushes. So I got a, okay. an old helmet, and I sanded it down, and I did it like I was painting a sign, like with a brush. And, of course, there's no clear involved. And yep. That was the beginning. Okay. And I'm not exactly sure what I was painting, but it kind of just took it from there. And then I figured out, now nah, this isn't working. i got to learn how to spray. My buddy Johnny Solari was a body man. Okay. He so. taught me about paint, clear. I mean, I remember holding helmets on my arm with my fist in the air and sitting it and spraying. <laughs> and then I'd wash my forearm off with lacquer thinner, which isn't good for your skin. No, no. You know, it could cause blood disorders. <laughs> Yeah, and I had like two inches, two inches of clear on my forearm. Right now, Chris Wood from Atrix is shaking his head, going, "Oh my God! I know now. I know what happened to him. <laughs> it was the locker." Um, so you started getting good at it yeah. and, and and making making contacts and going to races. And Tommy Norton started running the stuff. Like I just remember, kind of like yeah, stickers appearing on helmets and helmets getting painted. And and me, I'm from Canada, just reading the magazines and. You're like, what is this? What is this thing? You know, um, so you must have had like a nice. It was funny because I used, I used to make little um, back before Photoshop. You know, everything was cut and paste, so you'd cut stuff out with an exacto knife and glue it on. You know, like collages. And I yeah. used to make weird little postcards and crazy stuff, and I'd send it to guys like Tom Webb and and Troy Lee. Okay, and they were just Troy. I think to this day is probably still scared of me because you know, he doesn't really know me. I'm not that scary but when he's getting stuff at his shop with me lying there with no shirt on with a 22 pistol on my chest and all these guns <laughs> and i think the caption said if you send your helmet to troy lee i'll blow my fucking brains out <laughs> you know, I, w- I would be a little bit put off by that sort of activity myself you know <laughs> davy coombs told me that you sent him uh a, a, a letter in the racer x newspaper days that said uh, it was a bomb threat. It was like cut out though with the with the letters from the newspaper, like what you see in the movies. <laughs> and it was something like yeah, like a ransom note. Yeah, like a ransom note exactly. But it was a bomb threat. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did all that stuff. Um, I usually admit what I've done. You know. Yeah, yeah. I did it. 
I sent it. <laughs> but that's how you get people's attention, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for Who sure. Who wants a postcard with black and white letters on the back? Oh, the weather's oh. here, wish you were beautiful, you know? <laughs> right, right. People need things to look at. Oh, yeah, I know. It's great. Um, so, uh, at, at the peak of helmets, at peak of FAQ, F-A-H-Q, everybody, uh, were you making good money? Was it a, like a nice business going, or was it always something that... You know, you had to do something else, or was there a peak for for the company? No, there never was. It's always it's been thirty years. It's always been a cult thing. I had a sign shop in Millis, Massachusetts, and I did sign painting, silk screening, truck lettering, airbrush, murals, pretty much all around her. I did it all, and that's how I kept. I did a lot of construction trucks. I, I lettered a lot of concrete trucks. I was a sign painter. That's what okay. I did. And Focky was just on the side. Oh, so you never? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm mean, made some shirts painter. for my bands. Yeah. Well, helmets really just kind of started right around then. You know. Yep. yep. Um, no, you're right about that. But helmet pa- helmet painting is no walk in the park, bro. It's not fun. It's not easy. You <laughs> take something straight yep. and try and put it on something round. Next thing you know, you have a smile or a frown. It's a freaking pain in the ass. It's tricky nowadays. Helmet painting is all about a sign plotter and mask and stuff, you know? Yeah. It's amazing that Troy turned in, I mean, the visors is what did it for him, but it's amazing that Troy turned in this multi-million dollar business, you know? Oh, no, for sure. And if anyone, including me, like I say, uh, Troy, I admire everything he's ever done. I looked at everything he's done. I copied things, per se. I used him as inspiration and influence, regardless of what I was sending him to get attention or to be silly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he definitely, he, he is and was the man, you know? Yeah. But like Chris Woods from Airtrix, I still tell everybody right now, Chris Wood is the best helmet painter in the whole world. Airtrix. The world. Yeah. yeah. That guy is, yeah, he's the best. Um, so did you have anything to do with Tommy Norton Ninja Turtle stuff? What was up with that? No, okay. no. I, I got to say this, though, about Tommy. Tommy went down to the Blackwater the year he won it uh-huh. and called me up, like yep. with a race report. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just kind of like at home. I don't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was just hanging out. Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah. How's it going? Yeah, chit chat. This night. I goes, How'd you go? He goes, I won it. But he, he just rolls up his tongue like he ate a potato chip, you know? And I'm like, Yeah. I go, So how'd you do? How'd you do in class? He goes, No, no, I won the thing. Yeah. Like, what? He freaking won it. Came across the line in first, screaming. On a one twenty five, comes yeah. rolling yeah. in behind him on a one twenty five KTM. Some kid from Norfolk. Yeah. The announcers don't even know he's out front because they don't know who he is. Right. They think so and so's out front. One of the pros. Yeah. Mark Hyde comes rolling in in second, puts up his fingers. I think he put up a four, thinking he had just won his fourth black. Oh yeah, yeah. Some guy comes up, pats him, up, pats him on the shoulder, and goes, "Nice second place." <laughs> The kid, one, the kid on the one twenty, the kid, the kid on the one twenty five one. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big yeah. deal back Tommy then, man. Tommy Norton yeah. flipped. He flipped over the bars and smashed his camel back into pieces, so he had no water for like more than half of the race. He had no front brake for half of the race, so he did fifty miles at Blackwater with no front brake, no camelback. He came in. He was so freaking white. He looked like a poster boy for Caucasian land. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was a big deal back then. And then he went on the podium and just started ramping off these crazy monologues that only a mass hole could do. And everybody's just like, what is wrong with this guy? Oh, my God. 
So I guess I got to call him if I want this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sponsorship story because I it's so random. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't have the inside. Right. I don't have the inside scoop on that. But Tommy, Tommy's a great. He'd be a great podcast. I'll hook you up with his number. Yeah, he's got all the stories. Um, Tommy Norton is still the reigning East Coast Vice President of the club. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Um, hey, so everyone who grew up there has got a JoJo story. Everyone's got a JoJo story. What do you what, yeah. what what about JoJo and you? JoJo Keller, I used to go down to Middleborough and watch the race. Okay. So again, I was just a right. fan and you know, I went to Moto. Moto Moto's cool. I wasn't mm-hmm. a really big Moto guy. I was a woods guy. But yep. my JoJo story leads to the woods at the Ocala GNCC one year I was racing. It was hot as hell. I literally think I got off my bike, took off my helmet, my chest protected my tool bag, and laid in the grass. I was just dying because I was out of shape, and I didn't know what the word training meant. Or, oh, wait, you're supposed to eat something before the race so right. you don't bonk? Right. Huh, who'd have oh, thunk it? Yeah, who knew? So I'm in a tight section of the woods, and this guy's dogging me. He's up my ass, and I kind of look over my shoulder, and I see this big hulking fat guy, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, you're not getting by me, you know, kind of got my shoulders up. But I'm weeded. I'm exhausted. It's super tight. It was one of the tight sections. Finally, I got so pissed off that he, was, he wasn't wheel tapping me, but he was there, and I'm like, oh. I pull over, and all I see is Keller. And this fingers in the air with the little, this fat guy. <laughs> took off. That he guy? was gone. And the minute I opened the door for me, he was like, burp, 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 burp. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, he was just phenomenal. <laughs> like, smoked me. Yeah, I just got to, he's like, I guess like, he's, you know, he's a bigger guy now. I talked to him. He's a, um, he's a caddy now. He's a caddy at a golf course. He loves it. But everyone's got a story of like JoJo being some sort of phenomenal athlete inside him. Um, whether it was tennis or, or anything yeah. like that. He just could, he could do anything, I guess. So. I guess it's kind of like street fighting. You can never underestimate the little guy. The little you know? guy, sure, 60, yeah. 65 kilos, small, five foot six. Yeah. Next thing you know, he wheelhouse kicks you in the ear and you're asleep. <laughs> so how do you, you're this guy from, from Boston, and you've got this helmet painting company and this T-shirt company. Lou Seals is based out of Atlanta, and they do Motor World and Motor World 2 for a while, and they were doing the Outdoor National package. Might have even been the Supercross package. How do you end up on Motor World, Jerry? I had moved to California, and I started helmet paint, and I literally bought a little not a garden shed. Picture like a little playhouse. It was probably about 10 foot by 10 foot where you put all your tools and your lawnmower and stuff. I literally bought this house and put it in my yard. I lived in the woods in Wrightwood, California, mm-hmm. and I got my compressor, and I had two windows, and I sprayed helmets in there, and I was knocking out some really good helmets, you know, but I'd have to spray and then leave, because if I sat in there, I would have died, even if I had my mask on. It was like a tomb. It was a coffin tomb. And Joe Colombero worked for Suzuki. Yep, I remember that. Joe Colombero. I think Suzuki at the time was a sponsor of Motor World, and he said, "Hey, you should you should get in touch with this kid, do a feature on him. He's entertaining. He paints killer helmets. Uh-huh. It'd be a good piece." And that's what happened. Lou and the boys from Motor World called me up, and they sent a couple of producers out. And Mark Career was actually on location there too. Oh yeah, yeah. I had known Mark for quite some time. Sure, yeah. Because he was taking pictures, right. and they came out and did a little segment with me and that on big white sunglasses. And <laughs> it was the first time I was ever on TV per se. And, uh, yeah, 
Oh, okay. I just was myself, and they just sat there and kind of peeked out from behind the camera with their heads to the side going, train wreck, you know. (laughs) Like, who is this guy? But there was cool helmets. There was really sweet helmets to look like, to look at. You know, airbrush murals, the whole deal. It's not where you paint. It's what you paint, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so then they say. And that was the foot in the door. And then they're like, hey, this guy's got something. We got to, we got to. We gotta get this guy out. And do like, were you a correspondent for them? Like, this is leading into my national yeah. pit reporting job that you got. But before then, was it, hey, yeah. let's get him to talk about the races here and there? Or? Yeah. No, I had um, my sisters lived in Maui. Okay. And I went over there. I was living in. I was actually living in Maui. Nice. And Lou called me up and said, "Hey, do you want to do you want to host a uh, a crash show? We're doing a, you know okay. a half hour or hour long, whatever crash show." I'm like. Yeah, he goes, well, you got to, I think the Supercross was in Pasadena that year. Okay. So they flew me back. From, here I am in Hawaii, you know, with thongs on and yeah. swimming trunks, and I'm just cruising around. And they fly me back, and I go to Pasadena. They go, hey, you need to talk. You know how you stick somebody in front of the camera and go, oh, you want to be on TV? Here you go. Yeah. And then they lock up. Right. That wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah, I was the other guy. You stick me in front of the camera, and I turn on. Right. You're like, this so is So awesome. they said, we need to toss to these packages, and... And I just, I didn't know what I was doing, so I kind of just pulled the trigger, and I was just out of control, and they loved it. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a car crash. It's, bad, it's a bad thing, but you still look at it. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you, well, I remember watching, you're like, I got it, what is this guy doing? What does he do? I've got to watch this. I don't know what this guy's going to do next, right. right? But here's another thing, too. In my own defense, I'm not saying I was or wasn't entertaining, but I will say I did and did and did not know. I knew how to capture attention, but I wasn't exactly sure what I knew about television and being an on-camera reporter. And it wasn't until later on when I kind of morphed into the ESPN days that executive producers like Jamie Reynolds at the X Games sat me down and helped me learn. They were the only ones that ever really taught me okay. how to be a better television reporter because I can tell a story. Mm-hmm. But they told me things like, it's not about you, it's about the athlete, always ask a question. You know how you see reporters on TV, they just say a statement and they move the mic? Yeah. I hate that. That's because no one ever sat them down and said, hey, you have to literally ask a question. Yeah, yeah. So hey. it took a while, you know, I got your attention by being out of control mm-hmm. and you wanted to watch the show because you weren't sure what I was going to do. But I eventually morphed into what I feel is a good reporter. I mean, they sent me over to the running of the bulls four times. Do you ever see a motorcycle chasing a bull in front of a bull? <laughs> they said, no, you know how to tell a story, though. I'm like, oh, all right. All that's right. Good. I like that compliment. Oh, that's great. Um, and so they say to you, hey, what do you think about doing our, our pit reporting for the Nationals? And, and going, like, so this was, was this the Spain and Larry Myers that were calling it from Atlanta? Is that all that yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I don't, I don't remember. Larry was around. I remember the Spain was a part of a, the Seals Co. Camp and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, everything just one thing just led. It's all. It's all Lou. You know, giving yeah. me work. If it wasn't for Lou, yeah, I still talk to him to this day. You know, he's oh, the dude. one that helped yeah. me out. Oh, cool. Lou put me on a job. Check this out. This is an inside weird scoop. Uh huh. Lou goes, "Hey, I want you to be a guest host on this." Uh, Young kids, like 12 years old, doing weird things like swinging on ropes and riding mountain bikes. It was in Georgia. It was some outdoor show, and they had little contests. I'm not saying it was a kid's show because they were like 13, 10, 12, 13. Guess who was the host of the show? 
Ryan Seacrest. Oh, really? Lucille's discovered <laughs> Ryan Seacrest <laughs> back in. He's the one that discovered that cat. I didn't know so that. Ryan Seacrest was the host of the show, and here I come in, wide open, four Red Bulls down the tube. I'm pinning it. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest is going, oh my god. And uh, yeah, we did a show together. We did. I did about three of them. Wow, Jerry. And that's how he Jerry. got his foot in the door. And look at him now. You that could have been you, Jerry. <laughs> You could have been on yeah. American Idol making his head. His head didn't fall out. Mine did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Right. That was the deciding factor. I had no idea. That's awesome, though. That's yeah. a really, really cool story. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on Racer X. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Race Tech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Race Tech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Race Tech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Race Tech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Race Tech a call and mention Fulton X for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Race Tech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything, I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet? You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. Now, again, I'm from Canada, so I don't get 
to watch all the ESPN, but you know, you get this black market satellite guy and he records the nationals for you and you try to watch what you can up in Canada. And I've watched a bunch on YouTube since then too. Um, these riders, Larocco, Kudrowski, McGrath wasn't bad. They didn't know what the fuck to do with you. Like, they look at you. <laughs> you're, you're interviewing these guys. I watched a bunch of clips, and you're saying basically, you know, you're going to lay it all on the line and tell us about that. And the, the, they, these guys are just stone-faced. Um, did you feel like that? Did you feel like, and again, McGrath was cool, you know, Fro was cool, but I felt like a lot of these guys were just, who is this guy? No, I felt like that too in the moment, you know, uh-huh. but I had no choice. And, and like Popeye says, I am what I am and that's all that I am. <laughs> I had to be me yeah, and I had to yeah. do the job. And yeah. I actually really liked it. K- Kodrowski, uh, Mike was cool. Yep. And I really, this PP kind of sort of hit it off of that. I'm not saying I, Hit it off. I really liked. I admired LaRocco. I still to this day. Right. He's a legend. But my job with LaRocco was trying to get him to crack a smile. To <laughs> me, it was like a challenge, you know? Because, right. yeah, they gave me that look. They're like, oh, what is this? This is, uh, I don't get this, you know? Yeah, no, th- I think that these guys hey, weren't. Used it was to- odd for me as well. Put, put yourself in my position. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Granted, I did know about motorcycles, but I wasn't an ex-pro motocrosser. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just knew. I know how to extract information from athletes. I know how to tell a story in a concise fashion. I know how to interview people. And I kind of know what I think the media and the public want. Right. People had said that to me. They go, you asked the questions that I wanted to ask. And I go, that's awesome. You know? Yeah, that's perfect. So, right? yeah. yeah. But in, in their defense, Kodrowski and LaRocco, they just probably, LaRocco probably just wanted to put me in the rear naked choke like a UFC and put me asleep and roll me under some box truck, you know? It, it did seem that way. My buddy, uh, Jason Wygant, told me the funniest Bernardo uh, story he's got is you said, uh, Mike, I'm either going to make you laugh this interview or uh, I'm going to I'm gonna jump on your back or something. And and then Mike LaRocco goes, I guess you're going to jump on my back. Like, it was something like that. You yeah. Just, you just were, you were just trying I to get I remember grabbing LaRocco by... I remember grabbing LaRocco by the bicep, just like, you know, how you grab somebody, like, oh, hey, yeah, and you kind of grab their arm and you say something. Yeah. I grabbed his arm, dude. I was, like, trying to attack a cinder block. His arm was rock solid. I'm like, <laughs> that guy's in shape. Oh, my God, I almost broke my thumb. <laughs> um, but, but McGrath, you, got, you, you and him did some good stuff together. Like, he got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I go way back with MC. We had a lot of fun. One time I went in the box trucks with – uh, all the mechanics, and we went from one supercross and road to the other one, and we mm-hmm. did a television show, you know, with them right. kind of showcasing what they do, getting to the next race. And I remember seeing Skip with the motor just exploded in a tray, and I'm like, oh my, how the hell do you know? And he just laughed. <laughs> he knows what he's doing, I know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I hung out with them. But yeah, I did a lot of cool stuff with McGrath. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting take on it. Did you, well, you, you kind of talked about it earlier. So, you didn't dig the job that much, though, just because you didn't live and breathe it like some other people would. Is that accurate to say? No, I, I can never say that I didn't dig it. I dug it. I mean, come on, someone's paying you to fly around the United States. I left <laughs> the country 10 times. Yeah. You're flying around the world. You're making television. You're getting to do stuff. Mm-hmm. It was all You're getting paid. I was on salary for five years. Who the hell's on salary? Oh, you were? I've never been on salary. Not on salary. Yeah, I was on salary for oh, five wow. years. It was awesome. 
So that so was, yeah, no, I was having a blast. Yeah, that I was, was learning. Okay. Um, what was the coolest trip you did? Which one? Is there a couple that stand out? Well, you can't go past. Let's just say this: going over to Italy and doing a television show with Franco Cherbis, my mm. fake Italian dad, um, <laughs> and riding around on scooters on the hard pack uh, on the cobblestone streets of uh, the town he lives in, mm-hmm. and he's got his hat on backwards, and all the kids that work from we had a bunch of about ten scooters, and he's like "Siete pronti ragazzi," which means "Let's go, children." <laughs> oh man, it was a blast! And then the highlight of that is. ESPN2 mm-hmm. got a Cable Ace Award for that show. So it was the first ever Cable Ace Award nomination for ESPN2, the new offshoot network of ESPN. Yeah. And that was our show over in Italy. So, yeah, that. And then we did about a five-show five, uh, series on dual sport riding. Okay. We went to Hawaii, Costa Rica, Canada. And Costa Rica was awesome, going down there and riding around on that greasy red clay. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy still running to us, Larry. I forget his last name. Cato's still in touch with him. We went down there. Oh man, we had a blast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That, those were the two. Those were two that. And and then when Franco took us to the Incas Rally in '96, uh, we did a show there, and me and Chris Smith from WER Stabilizer Fame uh-huh. teamed up, and we got second overall at the Incas Rally. That's probably yeah. That would probably be the hands down greatest show slash trip ever. That sounds pretty good. It does sound pretty good, no doubt. Um, didn't you go to Bercy too or Geneva Supercross one year? I remember you were a correspondent for one of those Supercross yeah. races. Yeah, I, I, I went to Bercy. Yeah, me and Doug Frankie, my longtime cameraman, we yeah. went over there. It was always uh, interesting yep. to see what you were up to or what was going on with you and where you'd pop up. You did X Games for a couple years, right? Um, you also yep. I've done a dozen X Games. I I know, and I I was trying to think about it before I sat down with you. I saw you pop up on like uh, it probably was a Lucille's Seals production. I don't remember what it exactly was. It really didn't have anything to do with motorcycles. I don't think it was that chi- the children uh, uh, thing you talked about with Seacrest, but it was something where I was like, "Hey, look, Jerry Bernardo. He's like calling this thing. Like they, you did a lot of different variations of, of different things." Yeah, I did. I hosted Monster Trucks, uh, and then we, uh, Motor World Two went outside the two wheel world, and we started to do um, all forms of motorsports: jet ski racing, monster trucks, uh, more motorcycles. We went to Indy one year. Went to Indy one year. Me and Dougie, uh-huh. and I bought an Indy car, uh, a blank like a blanket with all the logos of okay. all the race teams and stuff. And I walked over to one of the officials. I'm like, "Hey, can I go down onto?" You know the track uh-huh. when it wasn't running. Yeah, with this, and they said, "No, no, you can't." You know, <laughs> well, I didn't really hear the word "no," <laughs> so I went down on the track with it anyhow. And I'm walking around with this NASCAR blanket on like a homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we started the show. We had a, We drove out there in the motorhome, and I got in the little, you know, the little side things where you get all the luggage out. Yeah, yeah. I got in yeah. there and I laid in there and. Du- Dougie come walking along early in the morning with my microphone, and he goes, tap, 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 Jerry, time to get up. And he opens the thing, and I come rolling out of me coughing, you know. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so after the Nationals, and you just did it one, one season, 94, right? Did, did, you, did you get out of it? Did they say, hey, we're going to move on? Like, I think it was Coombs right after you. I think Davey followed the next year. But I was just wondering why or how that I, ended. I don't really know. Okay. 
things change. You either lose your job to someone who might be more attractive or <laughs> different sponsors come on board or the the show itself, the you know, yeah. it dries up. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. I've lost more jobs because they just ended. You know? I yeah. never really ever got up you're fired and this and that things just you know things just yeah, fade yeah. away no i know I, I i got some money i once did too. i did wsa snow i did snow cross maybe four snow- years me and dougie maybe freezing a- our asses <laughs> off but it was awesome i got a lot of good friends still to this day levi lavalle and all yep. the boys goth kaufman tucker hibbert that's what that it was, was, it was snow i love cross. those it was, days it was snow cross that i couldn't think of that's where i saw you and they're like, Bernardo's doing snow cross. Yeah, and you know what? That's a classic example. They bring on a young reporter, attractive girl, and she's like, oh, this is great. And she goes and sits up in the TV truck because it's cold. Right. And she's putting her arm on the producer going, oh, hey, this is, you know, she's yeah. watching all the TVs and they drink a coffee. And me and Dougie are hardcore race fans. He's got his camera. I'm yeah. down there with Freeze and we get all the gear on. And we're watching the races right there on the track because we're into it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm watching what's happening because I want to have a question when I get to the podium. Sure. I don't want to go up and tap him on the shoulder and go, oh, you got first place. You must be so happy. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I saw you lining up that last lap pass about five minutes ago. Right. Yeah. You're like, I knew exactly what you were going to do. Um, so you've got this resume. You've got all this cool stuff you've done. And we've all seen you on TV. Uh, for forever, all of us listening to this thing, did you try to do, have you tried to get some work down there as far as doing different things with racing, uh, whether it's trucks or or bikes or anything? Have you been like, hey, look at me? No, there's not. I haven't. You know what? I'm not going to say that. I've always been a headshot guy. You know, I've never had a headshot. I've never had a resume. <laughs> I've always got jobs. Yep. You know, for some reason or whatever, for some reason or another, I've always got jobs. People called you up. I've done live announcing down here. I've done no television whatsoever. There's no big, there's no, there's no motorcycle TV per se down here. Yeah. The industry's really small. Right, so right. Yeah. I just kind of, let's put it this way. You know, when you're on the beach and a bottle comes up and it has a little note in it, and you, <laughs> yeah. you see it and you pick it up and look in it. Sure. That's kind of like my career. I'm not swimming around <laughs> looking for the bottle, nor am I so lazy that I can't be bothered to get off my ass to find it. I wait for it to tap my foot, but that's sort of it. You know, the yeah. phone rings, somebody says, do you want to work? And I always say yes right away. That's interesting. Yeah, I imagine it. the Australian community is a little bit like the Canadian moto community. There are, yeah, there isn't much going on as far as U.S. concerned, you know? So, um, right, exactly. And I've never had, I never had a manager the whole time. So, you know, a lot of people have managers that get them gigs and whatnot. Yeah. All these freestyle guys. So, yeah, yeah. I was just ruling it, just cruising along, uh, playing it by ear, just like the rest of my life. <laughs> talking about freestyle stuff. Uh, always the the crusty tour comes down there, and I guess it, you know, kind of fizzled out here over here in America, and it's huge in Australia. We know the the Nitro guys go down, or yeah, Nitro guys go down there quite a bit. Pastrana's guys, and then they're they're doing well over here too. But what is it about Australia that that down there, you guys, and I'll count you as you now, um, you love it. Uh, the freestyle stuff still is really really strong down under. Yeah, the the fans of sport in general. Melbourne, where I live, is the sporting capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And this could encompass rugby, yeah. uh, AFL, Australian uh, Football League, blah, right. blah, blah, Aussie Rules Football. It is the sporting capital of the world. A lot of great events happen here. 
there's so many fans of sport in general, but then there's also fans of motorcycles, and it's no secret Aussies are a little bit out of control. Mm-hmm. They love it. They love to drink. They're enthusiastic. They're happy. They'll give you the time of day. They'll help you. A lot of them will give you the shirt off their backs, and they really just took the crusties from the movies, and when we came down here, they're like, Oh, and they just held guys on pedestals. Okay. Seth Enslow, yeah. Bubba, yeah, yeah. Mad Mike, all those guys. Uh, legends down here still to this day. Crazy. In, in the United States. Yep. Maybe not so much. I think it's a volume thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, There's yeah. so much stuff going on in America. And down here, when something that cool comes down, they just jump on board, you know? Yeah, the fans were the best. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Everyone tells me, like, the, these tours just kill it down there they have multiple nights and sold out and guys love it so um yeah how do you move to australia like do you just take like a couple of gear bags how do you move how does someone move to australia with all their stuff or did you not have stuff how does that work (laughs) Uh, let's let's put it this way me and my fiance joke about it i had a lot of stuff in my day i don't have as much stuff now i'm making more stuff you get rid of everything you liquidate, Yep. you make a big pile, you transfer funds, you get three massive gear bags, you, sh- you ship a few things in boxes, then you find out it's going to kill you at the bank. Right. Bad. Right. Shipping a helmet costs like $75. Uh-huh. How much a helmet weighs. Yeah. Yeah, and you just, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like having a paper bag. You fill it up, you walk to the next town, and you empty it out, and then when it's all gone, you get another paper bag and fill it up. That's it. Just keep going. Yeah, it's crazy. You have stuff, you get rid of stuff, you get new stuff. Yeah, I guess it is just stuff, right, at the end of the day. Like, fuck it, right? It's uh, just thinking about all your old helmets. Oh, no, I mean, sometimes sometimes Michelle, my partner, will ask me, oh, where's that thing? You know, where's that? I said, oh, I used to have this. She goes, oh, where is it? I'm going, are you kidding me? (laughs) I've moved so many times. I don't know where that damn thing is. Paintings I've done. Yeah. I, don't you, know. you, I can't have. I don't want to be like. I don't want to be like a wedding car. You know, you turn around with strings hanging off the back of your dickies, and there's a bunch of shit. I don't need that stuff. I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm on the move. I'm drinking coffee. Get out of my way. Let's do this. Let's yeah. be productive. End of the day, I gotta have something to look at. Yeah. So you don't really have much of those old helmets you did or anything like that. Like nothing. Like 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 you said, paintings and things like that. Nope. Oh wow. Nope. Friends of mine do. I gave away. <laughs> few of my really good friends i gave them stuff and uh-huh. every now and then they come up on facebook oh i got this jb classic and i just look back and go yeah i remember that one you're like yeah i still no, i don't have any of it oh man i don't know well, hey what whatever that's the choice you made and you're happy with it it's just that, that and for me just a guy who doesn't know you at all i'm like ah that sucks but whatever yeah you're happy who cares right doesn't matter <laughs> but you know again it's like say you go to mcgrath's house and he's got one of those rooms and you go in there and this is all this yeah. stuff. Right. That's great. I am no Jeremy McGrath. He is the king of motocross. Yeah. King of supercross. <laughs> Me, you know what my trophy room is? My memory. Yeah. I got it all inside. I have an uncanny ability to recall information, true information, and that's it. I got stories. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to heaven, but if I rock up, St. Peter better be sitting down because we're going to have a chat. <laughs> well, everyone I talked to before I did this podcast said, he's got some stories, man. He's got some stuff. So that's that. Uh, yeah. Oh, I got stories. I, say, I, I think I just said that the other day. Where was I? I just said that to someone. 
Oh, I was having something printed out at like so Office Max. I did okay. some posters for my stepson, little race posters, and I had them printed out. And the girl was having a problem, and I started telling her stories. I go, hey, you're just milking this because you want me to tell you another story. And don't think I'm going to run out, so we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> Settle in, honey. I'm just firing it off. <laughs> Settle yep, in. Battle in. Lock, lock and load. Uh What's it? And, and so now we'll get into that a little bit. Like, what is a career highlight for you? What if? What are you really proud of? What, what that, that you've done? Uh, one or two gigs that you've done, or or like you said, a painting, a helmet. Like, what was the coolest thing for you to look back on your career that uh, maybe a lot of our listeners in 2017, you know, don't don't understand the cool shit that you've done. But uh, a couple stand out. Hmm. I'm proud of the fact that I got nominated for best show host the year after the nomination for the Italy show. Cool. Though the Cable Ace Awards, which are like, you know, whatever, the Oscars of cable TV, uh-huh. though that whole entity just dissolved, I got nominated for Best Show Host. Lou called me up and said, hey, you got nominated for Best Show Host. Send me a headshot. I go, I don't have a headshot. He goes, well, come up with something. I'm like, yeah, all right. So I sent him something. He goes, you don't have to go to the awards. Me and John Bonner are going to go. So they rocked up in their tuxes and this and that. And I'm back at home in California. And Corbin Burnson was nominated, and this guy Ian, a really good TV host from okay. the Travel Channel, and uh-huh. two or three other guys. There was five guys in the category, and they go, and now nominated for best show host, blah, 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 Corbin Burnson. And they put up this, you know, beautiful professional yeah. headshot, and, and Ian from the Travel Channel, and here's his headshot. They go, Jerry Bernardo, Motor World 2. I sent him a picture of me sitting on the tailgate of a box truck in gear, and I had a spray gun to my head like I was committing suicide with a gun. And I'm just making this face, and, and Lou just is sitting there going, oh, my Oh, uh, no. Because he didn't know what I said. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Take that, no, Corbin Burson. Yeah, take... I don't know. I've done, so, I've done so much stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of the things I did at the X Games because a lot of times they'd have meetings. Okay. And we'd sit down with all the hosts, and they'd say, hey, last year we did this, we did that. We want to stay away from this. We want to focus on that. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of yeah. school us before we started doing our broadcast. Right. And then they did the same thing with all the producers. And one of my buddies that was one of the producers goes, man, you were the man in that meeting. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, well, they showed the video clips of the things that they really said. Hey, this is the way we want to go. This is the stuff we want. This is good. Oh, yeah. And you were in like three clips. <laughs> nice. I yeah. go, wow, that's cool to hear. Yeah. Like they didn't tell me, but my buddy told me. Right. So right. when you hear things like that, while many people have seen me on TV for years and they either loved me or hated me, whatever, that's their opinion. Yeah. To hear, to get accolades from the pros of ESPN's X Games. Yeah. I'm proud of that. That's good. Because I have done a lot of crazy things, but I've done more great things than I've done nonsense. So, yeah. And that's in my heart of hearts. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah, absolutely. That's that's a real cool thing to 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 know. You know what I mean? Like, especially like you said, you had no training. You were from the woods of of Massachusetts. You know what I mean? And and now ESPN yeah. is like, hey, this is what you need to do. This guy right here. So, yeah, take take that, Michael. Yeah. Take that, Michael Rocco. <laughs> I'm telling now, you, no, it wasn't. I'm not bagging on Rocco. You get a gig, and they say they're going to pay you. <laughs> We're going to pay you. You know. So you have to do the work. If you don't do the work, you don't get paid. Yeah. You know, and I didn't get fired for 17 years, so I did some work. You did some work. I just, I watched some of those old clips, Jerry, and I'm like, and look, I deal with this, I deal with this too, because I have this this internet show that I interview the riders, 
and I'm trying to get them to go off script. I'm trying to talk to them about their personal lives or what kind of movie they like or whatever. And these guys just, they don't have it. They just, all they know is riding their dirt bike, you know? And, and I think when you did those nationals, that's those guys are just like, I don't get this guy. And I did. And people who watched did and, and all that kind of stuff. But you're just like, oh, geez, these people. And, and so I get it. I totally get it. I run into that a little bit. I had a guy come up to me one year and he goes, Jerry, what's up, dude? You're the man. I love you. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I'm like, hey, buddy. I was like, because I'll talk to everybody. Yeah. I will stop. And it's not me getting my, my ego licked. It, it is not. I'm just a people person. So this guy's like, oh, yeah. He goes, oh, my wife hates you. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> he goes, yeah. You know, she does this. Oh, she hates you. I go, well, you know what you tell? And I, I act up. I go, you know what you tell that bitch? And the guy kind of looked. I go, you tell her I love her. And he laughed. <laughs> Same guy, three years later, comes up. Jerry, what's up? Remember me? I seen you, this and that. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh, hey. I, was like, I don't know if I remember. Yeah. He was like, guess what? My wife loves you now. I'm like, really? The one you said, she said she hated me. I go, well, you know what you tell that bitch? And he goes, same look. I go, you tell her I still love her. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, uh, thank you for doing this, Jerry. I really appreciate it. Flyracing.com, RacerX podcast with the great Jerry Bernardo. Um, terrific career uh, in the sport, covering the sport. Um, and not, not to... You know, not to make you feel old, but again, something as a, as a kid that I watched that I'm like, this guy's rad. This guy's cool, and and you've done a ton of stuff. And uh, I'm glad we got a chance to talk today, man. And, and good luck with everything that's going on in Australia and, and what you got going on. And, and maybe we'll run into you at Ana- Anaheim one day. Who knows? I just want to throw in my fly plug. Yes. My good buddy Dale Spangler that I used to race OMA Nationals with. Now he has his website Dirt Buzz. Yeah, Dirt Buzz. I've been yeah. um, doing some writing for him. Because I was, I was a writer for Red Bull for about three years in a row. I wrote for Red Bull's motorsports website. That's what I've been doing down here. I was a journalist most of the time and mm-hmm. this and that and doing graphic design. So, Dale, I've been sending him my stuff, pro bono, helping him out, getting his, you know, yeah. getting some content in there. So he hooked me up with a bitch and fly helmet. So at the top of the show, when you're talking about the helmet, I go, yeah, I got a flat black one of them. My buddy hooked me up, nice. Dale. So. What? And I know Dale well, and I'm really ashamed that I didn't call him to talk to you, talk to him about you before I did this podcast. That's my bad. I really should have asked Dale. Yeah, no, me and Dale are on the same page, and Dale just told me, he goes, I really appreciate what you have to offer, and it's not just me giving him free content because I'm generous, uh-huh. but he gets me. And this, when I was on TV, you either got me or you didn't. And I can't yeah. control that because I'm just doing what I do. So Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I get think... on the bus or get, off, or get out of the way. <laughs> I think that's actually perfect. If you got Jerry Bernardo, you loved him. If you didn't get him, eh, you know, get out of the bus. Yeah, get out of the way. Um, and I did. And well, I, you can say yeah. he probably hated me. No, I, I didn't. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. I, I watched some of those old clips, though, of preparing for this podcast, and I'm like, look at these fucking riders. Like, no sense of humor, no nothing, just looking at you, like, and you're trying. You are yeah. trying to get them to, you know, well, talk some friendly smack against their rival or talk about, and they're giving you nothing. Yeah. nothing. So. Well, my job was to keep your hand off the remote. That's my job. At the top of the show, do something that people go, oh, my God, what's this? This looks crazy. This looks interesting. What's this guy doing? And for 30 minutes, I want to steal you. I want you to sit down and watch my television show and not touch your remote. Because when it gets boring, what do you do? 
you grab the remote and you start channel surfing. Yeah. My job is keep you away from the remote. I think you Stop did a good. You in. I think you did a good job of that. I think you did. And that, that that's thanks, buddy. Job well done. Um, thank you for doing this, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it, I think, uh, like I said, I think people will be stoked. Uh, they remember you. They'll be stoked to hear you're doing well in Australia, and uh, things haven't fallen apart in Jerry's world. And maybe let's fire up the brushes. Get some helmets yep. done. Let's do that. Let's get some helmets done, Jerry. Hey, if you guys, anybody needs anything designed, just get with Keefa. He'll give my information. I start design every single day, graphic design in the motorsports industry, whatever. So yeah. That's well, no. my plug for me, you know? No, better than that. That's what no. I do. That's my bread and butter now. Never mind Kiefer. E- Mathis at racerxonline.com. We'll, we'll bypass Kiefer. Email me. I will email Jerry and pass it on because Kiefer, you know, we'll just we'll keep this to a minimum. And uh, and have the great Jerry Bernardo yeah, design and, something. That'd be great. And I'm not the guy that you're going to call back in two and a half weeks and go, hey, did you get that? I'm the guy that it's done the next day. You ask Kiefer. He asked me for something. The next day he has it. Here, I designed this. Here you go. Let's do this. So yeah, I cool. turn stuff around. Good. Awesome. Well, hopefully you get some right. gigs from this. I appreciate it, Jerry. Have a good day, and uh, thanks again, man. All right. Cheers, buddy. Have a good day. I'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take your money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not 
just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the day-